but, but I did want us to continue uh, th- this evening to talk about conversations that Jesus had. And, and I can tell you one thing that is, I keep coming against that a lot of the, the, of the recorded conversations of Jesus are really short, but they're really impactful. And I think if we spend a little bit of time on at looking at some of those statements, that, that they can have a, a great impact in our lives. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, we begin to read about a man by the name of John the Baptist. And really a fascinating individual. Uh, for, for most of my life, you know, uh, especially as a child, you grow up and, you know, the, the, there's, the, there's the camel hair and the locusts and wild honey and, and you know, the, 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 just the message of, of repentance. But can I tell you that John is a much more important character than just this crazy preacher who was out in the wilderness? John is so key, and the message that he has is so important in the overall scheme of everything that Jesus is doing. As a matter of fact, um, I know I said Matthew chapter 3, but, but if you look over at Mark's gospel, and, and you should have seen this contrast if you've, been, if you've been reading through us with the New Testament this month. And by the way, I want to say it again, I really hope that you're doing that. But if you have, for some reason, have not done that, Let's start today. Uh, you could start in the Gospel of Mark, and you really wouldn't have missed, I won't say you wouldn't have missed anything, because you would have missed Matthew, but, but you, you won't be really behind, okay? So I want to encourage you to do that. Do that with your family. Um, really something that we can all do. But here, as Mark begins his Gospel, the very first thing he's going to talk about is John, right? And I want you to see the words that, 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 that he chooses to begin with. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. See, the very first thing he's going to talk about is the ministry of John And he describes that as the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It all starts with John. Jesus, you remember, would would say that that amongst those born of women, that'd be everybody, right? Jesus says there's no one greater. This is someone who who had the respect of Jesus and and what we find here in Matthew chapter 3, which is a little bit fuller explanation than, than we see there in Mark chapter 1, we see this, this preaching ministry where what he's saying in verse number 2, he's saying repent, which of course we know that, right? His message is one of repentance. But, but I want you to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Like There's something that we need to be getting ready for. There's something that ought to cause you to consider the fact that, that this is really serious. And I suppose that you could say that at almost any moment in any man's life, but you know that there are those key moments where we say, we need to have some serious thought about this. We, we, we need to give some serious attention about this. I've planned on doing I know these things, but, but listen, the kingdom of heaven, it's almost here. So, so if you're going to get it done... You need to get it done now. And that seems to be a great deal of what of John's message, this message of, of urgency. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven, it is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make way, make ready the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. 
So his ministry was one of preparation. And John, John was constantly and, cons- and consistently telling his followers about someone else, about someone who was to come, about someone, he says, I'm not, if I could paraphrase, who I'm not even, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes, right? He's the one that's coming. And when he did come, we, we read this in John's gospel, when he does come, we need to understand that, that, that John wasn't walking around with just two or three people who thought, who, thought he was some, who thought he was somebody. Matter of fact, most of the early followers of Jesus were initially followers of John. And John said, behold the Lamb of God. Stop following me and start following him. John is this, this picture of humility where he understands that his place is, is not to build up his kingdom. Although he could have. Could he not? I mean, we, we come to the book of Acts and we still see people that identify themselves as, oh, I'm a disciple of John, right? I mean, the, the, he, had, the, he had this influence, but John was constantly and consistently saying, it's not about me, it's about the one who is to come. See, I'm here, I'm here to, make, to make the way straight. I, I, I'm here to prepare that way. His ministry was one of preparation. Interesting Interesting that, that, that we see this process. It's very seldom that, that people obey the gospel through the impact of one single person. Most of us obey the gospel through, through multiple, multiple impacts in our life, right? When Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he says, he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered. God gave the increase. See, both of those things are necessary, Right? I remember we, we moved to uh, Flatwoods, Kentucky when Shelly we had, Shelly and I had been married for about three hours uh, whenever, whenever we moved there. And it was one of the greatest summers of ministry in my life. Baptized almost every, almost every kid in the youth group that summer, okay? But, but can I tell you, it didn't have a whole lot to do with me. It had a whole lot to do with work that was going on before I even met those people in, in, in all of those homes and the seed had been planted. And it was, I mean, that's how God works, Right? So before Jesus comes onto the scene, there's someone who's making the way straight. Before a king would go in their, in their carriage, they would send people out in front of them to, to pick up all the, all the big rocks out of the road and, and to fill in all, all the places so that their ride would be just a little bit smoother. When we, leave, when we used to live uh, in Savannah, Tennessee, uh, we would go to Florence, Alabama all the time, and, and you, rode, you rode on Highway 69. Okay, which was a little two-lane two highway between, between Tennessee and Alabama. Some of you from that part of the country, you know. So uh, Jesse's from that part of the country. And, and when people that, were, that had lived there for a long time, they would always talk about this highway, and they would call it, it's kind of it scared me when I drove it, they called it Bloody 69. You know why they called it that? A lot of people died on that road. Because it had all these curves and turns and people would go too fast. And, and I mean, all along this road, you would see all these crosses where people had died, people had perished. And so, and so what, 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 what did the state do? Well, they came in and they, and they took out the curves, right? They took off the top of the hills and, and, and they, took off, they took out the curves and, and they, made, they made that road a much better road than it was before. It was, it was a lot easier drive to go from Tennessee to Alabama after they fixed that, right? Well, in many ways, that's what John did. John made straight, he made straight the paths that, that Jesus was going, was, going to, was going to walk on, that Jesus was going to proclaim. How did he do that? Well, by, by changing the paradigm, 
by, by helping people understand that their relationship would be their identity. Their identity w- w- would be one that was based on repentance rather than to be one that was based on their Jewishness. Now, uh, th- that problem didn't go away. Obviously, that's a problem. We read the book of Romans, okay? And that, that's going to be a continual problem where people thought, well, because of who I am, that's, that's why I'm special. Well, but, but it's better because, because the work started. Kind of like sometimes you might need to hear a sermon one time, and then it's about the third time you hear, you hear that topic brought up before it actually clicks. Does that make sense? At least that's the way I work. Okay? Well, that's sort of what happens here. And so John is preaching this message, this message of repentance, making, making his way, making straight his paths. And, and he tells us about these people that are coming to him to be baptized. And verse 7, he talks about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they were coming for baptism. It's interesting to me how many times when people come to be baptized, we're, and it's going to take us a while, we're building up to this conversation that Jesus is going to have with them, right? But he's just, he's just make, making these paths straight. How many times when people would come to be baptized, whether they're coming to John or when they're coming to Jesus, that over and over in the Bible, you know what the reaction is? Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want to stop. I want to talk. Are you sure? Because this is a big deal. This is, this is serious. Hey, listen, if all you're looking to do is to get wet, you're wasting mine and your time both. Okay? I mean, and they can be very blunt. John's going to be really blunt. Okay? So, so these, these religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they come for baptism because apparently that's the thing to do. And John is doing this. And remember what he says? You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? It's like, wow. I've never said that to anybody. Travis never, I never, I never said, man, you're nothing but a snake. Why don't you get out of here? Okay. I mean, I can't even, I have a hard time picturing what it would be like to say that to somebody, especially, especially if they weren't someone I knew really well, but that's what John says. I mean, he, he, he identifies them as a brood of vipers. See, apparently he understood something that, that we may or may not understand of their own insincerity. That, that they were there and that they were going through the motions, but that they weren't living out what they were proclaiming they wanted to live out. A lot, most people love the idea of being a Christian. Most people love the idea of being right with God. True? But, but it's another thing to say, I'm actually going to walk with God. I'm actually going to be transformed by His Word and by His will. And so John identifies them and he says, Hey, bring forth the fruit in keeping with repentance. He's, he's not setting up this, this trial thing. Sometimes when people respond, we say, well, well, we'll see about that. Listen, that's not the way God forgives, okay? And that better not be the way that we forgive. But he is saying, listen, I know, I know that you're, you're not sincere in this, okay? So why don't, why, don't you, why don't you be sincere? Do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, See, that, that's what they were saying. You, you, we've studied Romans uh, on Sunday night, Romans chapter 2, uh, where he speaks to the Jewish people and this idea, well, well, Abraham's our father, right? Do you, know, do you know who my daddy is? Do you know who my grandmother is? I mean, we, we built this church. We did this. We did that. We've had those conversations, right? Are people hanging their hat on, on, their, on their family heritage when, when they don't act like Christians? He says that they were hanging this on their idea that they were related to Abraham. 
For I say to you that God is able from these stones to raise up, to raise up, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. So the fact, I mean, it's wonderful that you're a physical descendant of Abraham. The truth is, if God wanted to use these rocks, he could, he could use that instead of you. There's nothing special about you, even though you think that there is. For the axe is already laid at the root of the trees, and every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, and his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear the threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff and with unquenchable fire. So, I have a lot of unanswered questions about the nature of John's baptism. It's some fascinating discussions for us to have, but I'm going to be the first to tell you that I don't have all the answers about John's baptism. I don't think we need to know, okay? Because there are things that, what I know is about Christ's baptism. And we saw, we see that in Ephesus in the book of Acts, um, different sermon for, for a different time. But, but apparently he's making this, this connection of, listen, the, what I'm doing here is different. That I'm talking about a relationship that's not based upon who your daddy is. I'm talking about a relationship that's based upon repentance. Of people truly coming, saying, saying that I want to be like God. Not, 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 not to become a God, I want to reflect God. I want to repent of, of all of the ways in which I don't reflect Him. And so, and he would call on soldiers and other people like that in, in other of the Gospels that he says, this is about repentance. As a matter of fact, in Mark, Mark 1 and verse 4, he actually says that his baptism was for the remission of sins. Okay? So that's John's baptism. And I'll let you chew on that for a little bit and explain that. But, but, I want, but, but he's saying this is something different than you've experienced before. This is, about, this is about an identity based in repentance and not in Jewishness. So all of this is going on. And all these people are going out to hear what this man Jesus, Jesus, and what this man John has to say. In the background, Jesus is growing up, right? And we, I mean, we we saw Jesus, we saw baby Jesus, we saw uh, young young boy Jesus. But for the most part, we don't see anything from Jesus from about age twelve to we figure out about age thirty. There's a lot of stuff happens between twelve and thirty, right? But we, we don't, I mean, we don't know exactly what, what's going on there. And, and this understanding and this growth in the life of Jesus. But in verse 13, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and, and the Jews, the Jew, and then verse 13, and then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? So, so John's taken, taken back by this, right? Jesus shows up and saying, I want to be baptized just like everyone else. Remember, Mark says this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It all starts with John. And John's reaction is, I don't, I don't need to baptize you. You try to think about your spiritual mentor, someone who has someone who you, who you look up to spiritually, someone someone who you look up to in their knowledge of God's word, or you look up to in their in their application of God's word, and they come to you. I'm thinking I'm thinking of uh, 
Um, maybe, maybe one of the professors that had a great deal of impact on me early on, if they came and asked me to baptize them, I mean, I would think, well, I think this ought to be the other way around, right? I mean, why are you coming to me? Now, he did not understand, he didn't understand that Jesus was the Son of God. And I'll prove that in just a minute, okay? He didn't have this full understanding. Well, he, and he, so what he wasn't saying was, well, you're the Messiah. Why are you even being baptized? Now, I have those questions about what in the world, why in the world Jesus is being baptized, okay? But that's not exactly what's going through John's head because John didn't fully understand that. Now, he's going to before, the, before this day's over. He's going to understand it before the day's over, and we'll see that over in John's gospel. But, but obviously he's saying, you're, I mean, you're... If, Sometimes we might say, well, well, if they, if they don't get into heaven, then nobody's getting into heaven, right? We may say that about people, and, you, and I know that's really bad theology at, at some level, but, but we all understand what, what, what's meant by something like that, right? Well, that's kind of what John's saying about Jesus. I mean, you ought to be baptizing me. And Jesus answered, this is one line in the conversation. Jesus answered and said to him, permit it at this time. For in this way, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he permitted him. It's kind of, I mean, this is full footnote. And then then John told Jesus, well, okay, if you insist, right? We'll, We'll go through with this. And after being baptized, Jesus went up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and coming upon him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so it's this picture of, I know this is a very important person. I know this is a very godly person. But when I, and I've I've baptized a lot of people. You know what's never happened? A dove has never descended from up above, right? I have never heard a voice. I've never heard the voice of God, the voice of the Father. But that's exactly what happened. Go in your Bibles uh, over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And this is what you're seeing in your, in your Bible reading is you're going to see these, these um, parallel accounts. But John, John talks about... John the Apostle talks about John the Baptist's understanding. And he says there in John chapter 1 about verse 29, The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I have said, After he comes, a man who is higher rank than I, for he existed before me. And I did not, listen to this, And I did not recognize him, but in order that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. And John bore witness, saying, I have beheld the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. And I did not recognize him. But he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He he upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness, and this is the Son of God." So there's, there's this moment, and I don't understand everything about exactly the chronology of what he's saying, but he's saying, when this happened, it started to click. Oh, this is the one. 
You remember uh, we talked a little bit in the past about Mary and how her knowledge of who Jesus was kind of gradually began to grow. She treasured these things, right? And people were in the temple and they were praising him and talking about what he was, but still, like you know, but you don't really know. But this is when it clicks, right? I mean, so, so if, if, I'm trying to think if, it, you know, if there was one of our children and, and, and we went into the, into, the, into the baptismal pool and we went down into that water and then came back up and then all of a sudden the heavens opened up and the Spirit Himself descended in the form of a dove and you heard the voice of God, right? I mean, okay, I knew this was different, but this is something even more. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so... When we say, well, why, why in the world was Jesus baptized? Because he didn't have any sin, right? Well, at least part of the reason was, at least part of the reason was to declare him as the Son of God. To, 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 make, this, to make this really take off. This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Mark 1, right? So, so there's, there's this proclamation that, that, that goes forth. There's also maybe two other examples, two other reasons of, listen, there's an example where he says, the reason I want to do this is because it's fitting. Because it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And, so, and righteousness is a word that's lost on our world, but it ought not be lost on us. Righteousness is related to the idea of this is just the right thing to do. This is the will of God, right? Correct? A lot of rights in my sermon here. So, but, but, but he says, I want to do what the Father wants me to do. I want to be pleasing to the Father. And once again, I, I've still got lots of questions about that, right? I kind of wish we could have another paragraph. We, did, we don't have it, but he has an understanding. God wants this to happen. It may be just for the sake of proclamation, but he has an understanding. God wants this to happen. And in this conversation, I'm going to pull out one more thing that I think is, is even bigger than that, or at least for me as I read this, that Jesus, is, that Jesus is saying, I'm not the exception. So, there's a sense in which Jesus is always the exception, right? Because he is perfect. He doesn't have sin. But this is almost John's response when he says, you ought to be baptizing me. And Jesus says, permit it at this time. I, I know why you're, why you're saying that, right? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't argue with him. He doesn't say, well, you know, actually I've had a lot of sin in my life. That's not what he says. He said, I, I know why you're asking that. I'm just asking you. I'm asking you to do this anyways. To permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And just think of how many times when, when it comes to obeying God. And, and you could talk about baptism, or you could really talk about anything that we would classify as the will of God. How many times we want to give our excuses? Let me tell you why this doesn't apply to me. Do, do we do that? Do people do that? I mean, I can explain to you all day long why, why this applies to them, but this doesn't apply to me. And if you don't think you do that, then you're just a better person than me, okay? And I'm, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that. But I, <laughs> I just probably, more likely, you're not self-aware. But, but this idea of, I'm not the exception. So you talk about baptism, and you want to say, listen, I see all these, all these verses about the importance of baptism. It's always connected to sin. It's always connected to salvation and removal of sin. But up against all that, what, what, what do people say? Well, yeah, but I want to be saved like the thief on the cross. Right? What are they looking for? 
They're looking for an exception. Now, understand that he was saved under the same <laughs> under the same covenant that Jesus was, not under the new covenant. The New Testament hadn't even started at that point in, in that way. That covenant wasn't in effect. Different sermon for a different time. But all I'm trying to say is that people are always looking for an excuse, right? And 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 if and if the and if the rationale is well, well, Jesus wasn't baptized. They said, I, I don't I don't want to be that. I'm asking you to permit it at this time. I want to be an example. I don't want to be the exception. So once again, we could say that about baptism, but I'm going to say that about all of our walk with Christ. That when we come face to face with the will of God, we come face to face with this thing that we call righteous, righteousness. That we say, that's what I want to do. I don't want to make excuses for myself. I don't want to explain away why that doesn't apply to me. I just want to be here and I want to do the will of God. That's where I'll find my joy. And so what we have is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I hope, I hope that's something that really makes you think as you think about that relationship because everything is about to change because he has been declared by the Spirit Himself and the Father Himself, to be exactly what He said. The beloved Son, in whom the Father is well pleased. See, He didn't make that proclamation just because He had an ego trip. He made that proclamation because He came for us. The Son of God came for us. And He asks us, He doesn't ask us to do anything that He wants to do. I've had people that have, I know people, you know people that are, that they ask you to do things that they wouldn't do themselves, right? Not Jesus. He died. He died. He doesn't ask us to do things he wasn't willing to do. He asks us to walk with him and to follow in his steps because he's a real leader. He is the Messiah, our Savior, if we will allow him to be. And that same Savior who was baptized on that day invites us to have our sins washed away in the blood that He would shed on the cross. He invites us to walk with Him in the light that He would shine in this world. Let's just be like Jesus. Let's just show up and say, listen, you can say this, you can say that, you can ask questions all day long. I don't know. I just want to do the will of the Father. And that's what, we'll, and that's what He will find pleasing. You come this evening as we stand and as we sing if you have a need.